Amen. Well, let's welcome Gina this morning. Thank you so much, Pastor Chris. Thank you, New Life Fellowship. Thank you, Pam, for your awesome hospitality. She rocks, right? Pam is a rock star. And the two of them together is over the top. I just, as you were praying, Pastor Chris, you know, you plan, and then the Holy Spirit comes up with his own topic. But as you were praying, I thought of, of something that I wanted to share about your pastor, because it illustrates the message. So he's been talking about heroes, and we're going to talk today about heroes do their part. Heroes do their part. So I'm just a software developer that had a burden for unreached people. And I just decided to do my part. I just quit my job. I'm not a pastor. I'm not gifted evangelist per se. I'm not married. I don't have children. And I work with these men. Like he said, I just go over there and do my part. But God God does something with it. And so um, Peter Nurberger, I want to give a shout out to Peter and Rebecca that you know and worked with in Rwanda with. So Peter and Rebecca are friends of mine in Moshi. I live in Tanzania, and uh, there we have Tanzania in East Africa. And Peter heard me talking about the Sonjo. You know, Peter is very busy. That guy is like revved up all the time, ready, ready to just go somewhere and do something. And he just heard about the Sonjo, and one day he said, Gina, wow, what if we just came and brought a team and helped you? I said, That's, I don't even need to pray about that. Just when are, when are you coming? And so I share that just to say, Peter, um, if we look at a hero as someone who does their part, I'm going to rephrase it a little bit. Maybe we can say a hero does something or makes something their part. Was it Peter's part to come? Peter's a very busy guy. Very busy. He went to the Sonjo three times having three little children and a wife back in Moshi. And some of our friends here that uh, Andrea knows had to go and stay with Rebecca. This was not his part. He made it his part. So heroes make it their part. And once we got to the Sonjo with Pastor Chris and, and some others from your church, Tammy and Tina and some others, we were at a school. This is what I remember. The story about uh, Pastor Doug Johnson was sharing something with some high school students. I don't know how many there were. A couple, yeah, 150, something like that. Well, suddenly, Pastor Doug turns around and says, now we're going to have Pastor Chris come. Do you remember that? We're going to have Pastor Chris come now, and he's going to encourage you. And Pastor Chris was like, I, I am? You know? And, and so it wasn't his part. It wasn't his part. He wasn't told. He didn't know. But he made it his part. He could have said, you know, let's get, let's get the younger ones. Let, just carry on, Pastor Doug. Just carry on. I think we're finished here. I think Let's pray. No, he didn't do anything. He said, oh, okay, let me make it my part. And then he knocked it out of the park. It was incredible. The message that he shared and the young people were resonating with that. And so just to start that off, we are going to demystify hero and missionary or pastor. And we're just going to say, we want to do our part. And yet the part that you do, it may be something that you make it your part. Okay. Uh, it wasn't my part necessarily to go as a single female. I'm not married. I don't have children. Is it my part to go to Sanjo? I don't know. I made it my part just made it my part because I had a burden. And so in Tanzania, you can, I know that you're focusing on East Africa, so I want to bless you for considering the nations and the regions. In Tanzania, it is a peaceful nation amidst a chaotic area. So we have a lot of surrounding nations that are in upheaval. You might not want to travel there. But in Tanzania, it's peaceful. And Andrea knows it's beautiful. Pastor Chris knows it's a beautiful place, stable place, racially, governmentally, uh, we don't have some of the chaos that's around. And so you're all welcome to come and see for yourself. You can go to the next slide there. 
So what am I doing? What is my part? If I want to make something my part, well, I studied computer science and I met Buddhists, Hindus, Muslims, atheists when I was in my early 20s, early 20s, and I had never met people like that. And so I just cared. That's all I did. I just cared that there were people that didn't know that. And so, you know, as, as we're talking, think about the things that we all face. I was just a student in college. That's how, that's how all this started. I just met people and found a burden and a need that I hadn't seen before that I didn't have that I wanted to do something about. And so I, I cared and I actually started praying and taking trips and asking God to send me to the unreached because I wanted to help these people. All the while, I'm a software developer, writing code by day and planning my next trip by night. And so after many years, the Lord said, okay, let's go. Let's go to the field. And so I said, send me to the unreached. And I was invited to Tanzania, and there are unreached people in Tanzania. And so one of the things that I've made my part is to evangelize. Mark 16 says that we are to go and, and preach the gospel. We're to raise the dead, pray for miracles, see healings and deliverances. So that's my part, and I'm focusing on unreached tribes. There's 130 tribes in Tanzania. Tanzania has the gospel in general, but there are about 30 tribes that do not have the gospel. They do not have a Bible. They don't have Pastor Chris. They don't have a missionary there. I don't even live there. I'm going back and forth to the places that I go. And so I said, that's, those are the places I want to go. So I've been targeting one people group called the Sonjo, and that's where Pastor Chris went. And also, I'm, I'm, I'm helping Tanzanians get a vision so that they can reach their own people because it's really their job. Is it my part? <laughs> I mean, there's Tanzanian Christians. Can they not go to their own? It's their part, really. So I'm trying to say, come, take your part. I'll go with you. And I did seminars for years. Didn't see a lot of fruit. And now all the fruit is coming from the trips. So the trip is now the seminar. So we're taking leaders from churches, young people from churches, lay people from churches, and they're getting wrecked. You know, the city people are having the same experience that an American might have when they go to see their fellows living in the condition. And the condition really is just life without God. That's all it is. When you don't have God in your mindset, you're going to have poverty and sickness and disease and oppression fear of ancestral spirits, curses, witchcraft. It's just life without God. That's all it is. And so they're getting mobilized. The other thing that I'm doing, after about five years, God said, thank you. Thank you very much for caring about these people. But uh, I would never say I was called to the nation. I was called to those people, that condition. And God said, now you're called to the nation. You're called to the nation of Tanzania. You're, you're to disciple the nation. Matthew 28. It doesn't say to disciple people. You know, Matthew 28, we focus on go into the whole world. We focus on go. We focus on world. But it actually says disciple nations. Now, how do you disciple nations? Well, really, you, you, you equip leaders. And you build leaders like a Daniel, like a Joseph, like an Esther, that will go into their spheres, government, business, law, education, media, right? and will be righteous leaders. And so the Lord was saying, this is what you're going to be doing. And I thought, <laughs> sounds great. How am I supposed to do that? Well, he knew all the while that through the ministry to the unreached, I started working with young people. Guess what all those young people want to do? They want to go into those spheres of culture. And so God has birthed a youth ministry that is really a discipleship ministry to impact the nation. But it started with somebody just making it their part to go to the unreached. 
and through the unreached, all this has started to happen. So that's what I'm doing. It's all about letting your kingdom come. You can go to the next slide. So what can one person do when they do their part? Heroes do their part. So let's go to the next. I'm going to use Nehemiah. Nehemiah was one person who did his part. So I'm going to share a little bit about Nehemiah, just three things, and then I'm going to share some stories about how I just did my part and other people came along beside me to do their part. Well, Nehemiah was a Jew who was in exile serving a king. And uh, he was the cupbearer. It says in Nehemiah 1.11, the book of Nehemiah at the end, it says, I was the cupbearer to the king. Now, we just read over that. What, what is a cupbearer anyway? We don't have cup. Do you have a cupbearer? I don't have a cupbearer. So we just read over these things. But the first point that I want to make, we know Nehemiah as a man who got a job done. He had a burden. He went back to Jerusalem with the king's permission and favor and resources. And he, he defeated all kinds of obstacles and onslaughts and violence against him and rebuilt the city. He rebuilt walls. He rebuilt gates. And he caused people to inhabit the land. And he solved domestic problems while he was there. That's how we remember. But why? Before we can engage, before we can do our parts, let's look at who we are. Okay? Nehemiah was a trustworthy person. He was a person, a foreigner. I mean, what kind of king lets a foreigner bring them the cup? What kind of trust do you have to have with a foreigner to bring you your cup? And it said a cup bearer, sometimes you would even have to, the cup bearer would have to drink the cup because what if that cup had poison in there? And so the first thing you want to do before you do your part, before you go telling everyone you want to save the day or ask for money or resource, who who are people going to give to? They're going to give to people that have been faithful, trustworthy people of character. And, And furthermore, this was a person of companionship. The king would see him every day. So we want to build relationships that have depth, that have some consistency, you know, that have some camaraderie, some companionship. People say, how do you go to the field? What's my step? I say, you know what? Don't figure out where you go. Get yourself in a church. Get yourself faithful, serving with the local body. You've got to be sent. The king was happy to send Nehemiah because of his companionship, his faithfulness, his friendship, and his trustworthiness. Amen? So the next thing, after you have that... We can go, Nehemiah was an intercessor. So before he tried to build, before he tried to solve, solve anything or save the day, it says in Nehemiah chapter 1, the backstory is that Nehemiah heard some news about his homeland. It said that he asked about the news in Nehemiah chapter 1 verse 3. Those who survived the exile are back in the province and they are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down. Its gates have been burned with fire. Now, when Nehemiah heard these things, verse 4, when I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. And then he shares his heart before God. And it says in verse on down, it says, I confess the sins that we Israelites, including myself and my father's house, have committed against you. We have acted very wickedly. 
towards you. We have not obeyed. And then he appeals like David. Things are bad. But he says, but I remember in verse 9, you said, if you return to me and obey, then even if you are exiled at the furthest horizon, I will gather them and I will bring them to the place I have chosen. And so if we want to be people that do our part, let's be trustworthy and then let's pray. Let's pray before we try to be, save the day. You know, I mean, I prayed for 15 years. I'm not saying take 15 years to do anything, but I did. I didn't just meet a Muslim one day and then move to Iraq, you know. I mean, this was a long journey where I was praying and seeking God, and I was sad. You know, I was, I was like, I had a grandma that told me about Moses. I had a mom that, that led me to the Lord. I had a mom and dad that had faithfully served. These people don't, they don't have, I was sad, I was heartbroken, I was praying for that. And so we can, we can see a burden and a need, and then we can take it to the Lord. And, and read Nehemiah, I challenge you in this series on heroes, read the book of Nehemiah, because I can't get into all of it, but every time he had an obstacle, it said, but I prayed, but I prayed, but I prayed, but I prayed. He did work, and that's how we remember him. He got a lot of work done. Okay, but let's pray and intercede and engage and get the heart of God and get ourselves right. Sometimes we're trying to fix somebody else's problem and our, we got stuff going on. Got some stuff in there we need to work out. So we get, he said, even I have sinned. Even my father's house has sinned. Please forgive us. I want to repent. So the next slide we have, now we have the builder. Okay, so after that, now he's ready to build. Now look what happens when you're a faithful person of companionship and relationship and prayer. It says in chapter 2, that's actually chapter 2 there, verse 7 and 8. He went to give the king the cup. And the king noticed he was a little sad. So he said, why are you sad? And he tells him, well, the the place that I'm from is is in ruins. It's very sad to me. And so the king says, what do you want to do? He knew, he knew Nehemiah was this man of integrity and fortitude. He said he must be up to something. And so then in verse 7 and 8, it said, if it pleases the king, the king said, you can go back. He said, if it pleases the king, can I have letters to the governors so that they'll give me safe passage? And can I have letters so that I could get some timber or some beams? And it said, because of the gracious hand of God upon me, the king granted my request, and so he went. So this is just an ex- a biblical model for us. This is a normal guy. This is a normal guy, you know, living in exile, not even in his own place, serving a king that's pagan, being a trustworthy man, and something, some news comes across the, the flash, the breaking news comes across his desk, and suddenly he changes his course and is released to leave where he's going to go rebuild the city, and that's what he did. When he got there... Not only did the king send him with resource, but he said, I need you, I need you to do the north gate. Okay, I need you over here, south gate. Okay, got it. I need you on this section of the wall. Got it. And all the while, people were trying to discourage him. And so you can be sure that even if we have all those ingredients to create success, you'll be the, you'll be the lightning rod for oppression and opposition, okay? So we have to persevere when those things happen, and I've had plenty of those. So go to the next slide here. We got to ask big. Okay, so the word I want to wrap all this around is engagement. If a guy says, I'm interested in a girl, you might not even pay attention. But if a guy says, I'm engaged to that girl, you're like, oh, they're going to get married. It's a different word. And so I want to challenge us as people that do our part as heroes. We live in a culture of lack of commitment, lack of focus, lack of follow through. This doesn't work for me. I don't know about that. 
And I'm just, I'm just going to tell you straight. I'm going to tell you something straight here. And uh, God, I just say this in, just in all, in all honesty and, and, and conviction, is I'm going to ask you as members of this church, as this fellowship, to pray about something and to pick something to do and to do it till you finish it. Okay, Nehemiah knew I'm going to build that wall, I'm going to build that gate, and I'm going to put people in that city. And when I'm done, I'm done. And I'm not stopping until I'm done with that. So many times we let the obstacles come. I mean, it said one time they had to work on the wall with the weapon, I mean, a, a tool, and over here they had a weapon because there was so much opposition and they would not stop. So I want to challenge you as you pray and ask, what could I engage what, I'm not asking you what you're interested in, what you want to participate in, what you've thought about, what seems interesting. No, I'm asking you to pick something and engage it. And engage, it comes from the, the, the origin of the word. The word gauge means you pledge yourself to something. You make a commitment to something. It's like an inner uh, belief or conviction to see something through. So can we do that? Who? Well, don't even show me your hand. I'm telling you, pray about it. And I want the Holy Spirit and God to move some things into your hearts and minds that you can choose to define when you're done. It is good to know when you're done because you don't know when you're done. But define when you're done. I'm done in the Sanjo when there's 10% believers. There's 40,000 people. There's about 400 believers. That's 1%. I got nine, I got nine more percent to go. And I'm done in the Sonjo when we put a safe water purifier in all 12 villages of the Sonjo. Right now we have two. I have 10 more to go. You see what I'm saying? I'm, I'm good with that. It might not be the perfect ending, but I'm going to be good with those two endings. And there's more, okay? So let's go. Because one person did their part. Pastor Chris was a part of a group of people that have made th- over 30,000 personal encounters with the Sonjo tribe. Okay, I'm not, I'm not qualified. I'm not a man. I'm not a preacher. I'm not an evangelist. I've never planted a church. I went from software developer to full-time missionary. I didn't even go in between to full-time ministry. Why, why is this working? It's only working because I just chose to do my part, and God said, I'll take it. And so when I say encounter, I mean like 12,000 people have seen the Jesus film. 11,000 people have been to a crusade. And on top of that, maybe 3,000 students at school like where you went. And so when I say encounter, I mean at some point a person heard Pastor Chris talk about hearing God's voice and knowing him. Another person got healed. Remember the ladies we prayed for that were healed? And so if you put all that together, there's over 30,000 encounters in this unreached people group with either the power of God, the love of God, maybe a kid gets a balloon. You know, it all goes together to tear down that darkness. And so... That's just what I'm, that's really the passion of my heart. So when you pray, if you think about Gina or this lady that came through, pray that I can be like Nehemiah and we will see 10% believers reached in the Sonjo, okay? We can complete that. So the next slide, because of one person engaging, Victor Mavika is a young man who went with me to the Sonjo and because of him needing to study abroad, I also just... It wasn't my part. He's not my son. I don't have money to help him go to school. I don't have time to do the administration, but I just made it my part to care about his need because he was a high, very high performer, and he had a dream, 
And I just wrote some emails and shared the vision, and other people had the same vision. And as a result, Victor is a rising senior at Oral Roberts University. He's studying mechanical engineering. And his fellow, who was with you, Paul, Paul Enoch, is also studying biomedical chemistry. And he's a senior at ORU. That's just because of doing your part. And so there's, there's this whole youth and leadership equipping movement that's come out of going there. And so Victor, after he got to study at ORU, my mission pastor, who it's not his job to take care of these guys, but he made it his part. He took Victor and Paul to a mission conference, and Victor saw a water purifier there. And he called me. He was almost hyperventilating, and he said, would you want a purifier in the Sonjo? Now, he can't go back to the Sonjo. He's in school. It's not his part to do it. He's not a professional. He's not running an organization. He just made it his part to connect the dots. He said, would you want this? I said, yes, I want that. He said, I need a proposal. I said, the proposal's already written. Let me change some things from a school to the water. And so the proposal was selected. This was at Urbana Conference, 16,000 people. His proposal was chosen. I don't know how many they turned in, how many proposals. You know, there may be 16,000 people could have done that and made it their part. But Victor made it his part. And because he did, and we submitted the proposal, now there's two safe water purifiers in the Sonjo and 10 more to go. So pray for those 10 more also. Amen? So it's just Victor doing his part. This is the purifier. It uses electrolysis. It's a very lightweight. The purifier is about $1,200, and then all the accessories together. It's about a four, four or $5,000 project. But it's, uh, you just need a little bit of salt, and it uses the electrolysis process to take contaminated water to where it's drinkable, safe water. And so you can go to the next slide. This is, um, well, you know, talk about engaging. I went to ORU with Victor and Paul, and it's really not my part to go greet the president, but I decided that I wanted to greet the president of ORU and tell him I was so excited about these young men. So I just called the office. They said, come on up. Uh, this is during orientation, no less. And so I go up there. They said, yes, we told you that you could greet the president of ORU, but we were wrong. He is busy. And uh, so I start talking to the la these ladies, and this one lady says, you know what? This is the application that uh, is for the chapel offering project. I'm the chairman of the chapel offering project. You fill it out and ask us for money, and we'll give you money through the chapel offerings. So I said, I know what I want. I want another purifier. So I filled it out. They selected it. And two offerings at ORU, they paid for this unit that you see here, which is at the private, this is in Pastor Nguni's home. It's a private Christian English boarding school that he started after you guys came. And so this is serving the school there. So we're thanking ORU. And that's Victor. Look at the next one. That is the boarding school. And um, yeah, that's another praise report. This pastor in Guni that I'm standing beside, he's an apostle. He really is just a, a fireball preacher and advancer. Well, he felt like God telling him to start a school. I mean, he, he doesn't know anything about schools. It's not really his part, but he just made it his part. And so now we have young little ones. Guess what the name of the organization is? Seeds of Change. This is how the Sonjo is going to change, is these little ones. They're getting Christian education right now. So the next slide. So this is the second purifier. This is the one that Victor was actually awarded. We installed this last year. This is serving 7,000 villagers in Saleh. This is in Saleh Village. 
Okay, this is the most difficult village in the Sonjo, the most resistant, and they are loving it. So we went back. I just had a team of six guys that returned yesterday, and we did some repairs on this site. You can go to the next slide, and you can keep going. We did some repairs there. We, we're going to scale up. So somehow the door was made a little too small. The tanks couldn't get through, so we had to repair the door. So that doesn't look like much to you, but I'm very happy because I've had a small door and broken steps and half a fence for a year. And so now we have a completed fence all the way up. And uh, you can go to the next, next slide. So this is one more person. You can, you can go past that one. Let me get... Okay, this is just... This makes me very happy. So this is the local people filling out their logs... They're just doing their part, and they are telling us when they do their purification, how long it took, and who did it. And I'm very happy about that. So you can go to the next. So this is the third location. We just had the team come back this week, and they've scouted out the third location. It's called Kisangiro Village, and this is a water source. It's, um, it is contaminated, and animals do things in these water sources. And so we're going to keep moving the safe water through the Sanjo. Keep, okay, that's a tank that they built in that village last year in 2017. It already needs repairs, but it's huge, as you can see, and it shows something's happening. You know, something's happening that we can, we can work with. You can go on. You can keep going. Okay, so this is one more person that did her part. This is Grace, who, who was on the streets in a ministry that rehabilitates girls off the street. Uh, is okay with her being on this photo and her name. It's just something that they do. So you can't see her fully. But my friends run an organization called Courage Worldwide. It helps girls in vulnerable situations. And so Grace was on one of our trips to the Sonjo. A former street worker is now in college, and she was flabbergasted at the condition. And she came back. She didn't, you know, it's not her part to become a mobilizer for the Sonjo, but she made it her part, and she shared in front of the whole staff at Courage House and all the other 13 girls. And Stephanie, my friend, said, Gina, the entire, everybody wants to go to the Sonjo now. Everybody wants to go. They want to take clothes and shoes. And so she just did her part. She's a hero to me. Okay, next, next slide. This is the last thing I'm, I'm just going to share. Another lady, Dr. Miriam Wickmere, wanted to do her part. She's a a PhD in global public health, and she went to the Sonjo in 2009 on a medical clinic. Since then, she got her PhD. She had three children. She got three small children, but she has a dream to do her part to take her knowledge to local uh, villages and help them learn the treatment of preventable diseases like diarrhea, like malaria, which are the top four or five killers in Tanzania. And so we've had several struggles, but she's going to do her part, and we're going to launch a public health initiative in the Sonjo in October. So we're very excited about that. Just one person, just one person engaging. And that is Christopher, one of the, there's two other guys in the program, uh, leadership program, and they're studying in China. So Christopher is doing biotechnology. He's doing his research here for the medical clinic. And the other one, Winio, is doing uh, aeronautical engineering. Okay, next thing. So that's just some things that are happening because one person did their part, another person did their part. We're making an impact. We're training leaders. People are getting education, safe water, and better health. Next slide. Oh, I already mentioned the obstacles. They will come. 
we have to press press through those. I'm not going to repeat that. Then let me close with this. So if you don't if you don't remember anything else I say, this is the most the most uh, convicting thing that I could share with you. In Genesis, when it says that God breathed into man and he became a living being, he became a soul. Okay, that word is nefesh in the Hebrew, and it's used 757 times in the Old Testament. What it does not mean is that a form of arms and legs became a living form. What it does mean is that the one who breathed the life breathed a quality of life into that form, a way of living, a manner of living, a mindset of living. And guess what the mindset is? It's a mindset of engaging. God is an engager. There could be no better song that we we heard this morning that it's your breath in my lungs, so I will sing in my praise. Yes. Well, it is his breath in your lungs, therefore you will engage. Therefore you will do your part, because his breath is in you to make you do your part. Okay? It is not some kind of inspiring message. I'm just, this is a revelation. Really. You don't need permission. You are designed and made. We are not made to be passive. Oh, look at what's happening in the world. Can you imagine the condition? Oh, my goodness. We just moan and groan. And the devil's winning. No, the devil is not winning. Jesus is winning. He's looking for anybody that will do their part and see something through to the end because obstacles will come. And so I just want to just break off passivity, um, negative thinking. Who am I? Who am I to do what I'm doing? I'm nobody. I'm not supposed to be doing. It's working just because I've just said yes. And so I just break off this fellowship, this region, this, this area, your families, the idea that we're overwhelmed by what we see. And there's issues that we need to engage that are problems. And there's also creativity that we need to release. It's not all bad stuff that we need to engage. Some of us need to just release the creativity, the ingenuity, the innovation, right? Technology, arts, architecture, just, just programs for our community. There's just good things that we need to do. So I release you. And I'm going to pray that this man is going to hear his phone ringing and people are going to come say, Pastor Chris, something, something's coming, something's popping. Can I share with you? What do you think? Can we pray together? And that this body would be known, um, not just trustworthy people, right? Not just intercessors, but you'll be people. That people those people get stuff done, man. They engage. They get stuff done and they see it through. So thank you for letting me share that with you all. I do believe what I'm saying. And uh, I am just one person doing my part, and we all have a part to do. So I bless you with a greater discernment and understanding and how to walk that out as individuals and as a community. Amen? Bless you. That's good stuff. Um, I feel like one of the things that we need to commit to do is, you know, because we were having a conversation earlier and Gina asked me, how many times do people call you and say, what can I do? I've got this burden and this heart for something to do ministry. What can I do to make it happen? And I'm like, and she says, or is it the other way where the church is always asking people, hey, will you come do this with us? And we're trying to drag people into it. And I thought, man, that really is, there's something to that, that if if the church is functioning properly, because we are all called to be ministers somehow. Jesus put his Holy Spirit in each one of us, not just the select few. And so if we are all called to be ministers, there should be some ongoing process of, man, God's given me a heart to do this. What can I do to make it happen? And so what I would like us to do is, uh, if you don't feel like you're going to 
make time to do this later this week. Take a minute to do it before you leave today. But if you're, if you're willing and able to, make some time, carve out some time in your schedule this week, get a piece of paper in front of you, and just pray and say, Lord, what could I engage in? What have you put in my heart? What could I do to make a difference? Because those are amazing things that happen just because one person said yes. And, and you have no idea what God will do with your yes. And so this week, uh, make some time, pray, say, Lord, what can I do? What can I engage with? And then write it down on that piece of paper and, and then follow up on it. Say, if it means, hey, call me, or if it means, you know, get with your small group and say, hey, what could we do to make this happen? Uh, we've got this ministry. Whatever it is, follow up on it, engage it, because I love that. Engagement means see it through till it's done. And uh, I think there's a lot of that that we need to do.